Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I want to continue in the series I started a few weeks ago. We're going to be in part three tonight. The title of this series is called Inheritance. I just want to do a very quick review because I realized last week we kind of went off track a little bit. And How many of you here last Wednesday enjoyed last Wednesday night service with Pastor Mike here? Amen. Good stuff. So the context of what we're talking about in this series, so I'm focusing on a scripture in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 20. I believe this is one of the most important scriptures in the entire book of Acts. The Apostle Paul is at a point in his life where he thinks it's the last time he's going to see his disciples, his followers, the people that he's raised up in Asia, which we, today we, we, we call modern-day Turkey. And so in his farewell kind of speech and benediction to them, he makes this statement. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to, look at the promises that are here, which is able to what? Build you up. Because that's what the word of God will do for you. If you get the word of God in you, it'll build you up. It'll make you strong. It'll, it'll, it'll change you. But then he goes on to say, well, let me read it from here, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those that are sanctified. Now, don't let that word sanctified throw you. What he's saying here, we could say it today in, this, in our English today, we would say it this way. So now listen, I'm committing you to God and to the word of his grace, which if you let it get in you, is going to edify you, is going to build you up, is going to strengthen you and position you to receive an inheritance that comes from the Father in heaven to those that are set apart unto him. The word sanctified, is the word set apart, the word reserved, we could put it this way, set apart for special use. He's talking about those of us that have received the Lord Jesus Christ, that have expressed our faith in him. And when we do, we experience what Jesus talked about in the Gospel of John chapter three, we become born again. Your spirit on the inside becomes alive unto God. And so he's saying for this group of individuals, there is an inheritance that is waiting for us. And the way that we access that inheritance is by the word of God. He said the word is able to build us up, but it builds us up in order for us to receive an inheritance. Okay? You see, a little child that hasn't had much life experience, the very worst thing you could do is to let that child inherit an amazing amount of money, wealth beyond measure. What would happen to that child? What would happen to that, that child's life? What would happen if you took a teenager, just barely knows how to button his shirt, all right, and you all of a sudden have that child access millions and millions of dollars? You'll have a monster on your hands, a monster on your hands. Just to give you an example of, of maybe the context that we're talking about here. And, and I know this isn't in my notes, so don't start. 
You remember the story when Jesus is traveling with his disciples and they came to a city, I believe it was in Samaria, and the people of that village disrespected Jesus. You remember the story? And James and John turned to Jesus and said, do you want us to call down fire from heaven? Because that's what you do when you walk in love. You nuke the village. Because that's basically what he was saying. Now, now they, they had seen this in the word of God and the precedents that in the Old Testament with one of the prophets, and I don't want to get off on that. But my point is this. Here we have disciples of Jesus. We understand that they were believers in him up until the point that they could believe at this point in time. Now, Jesus responds to them. Listen to the response, because this is, this is key. He says to them, you don't know what spirit you are of. He didn't say they couldn't do it. He didn't say they weren't capable. He just said, you don't know what you're made of, and you don't know what kind of power you have. What is it? That's the same thing I'm talking about. If you were to take an inheritance of millions of dollars and put it at the disposal, made it, made it available to a young teenager, especially one who has had no track record of discipline or, or just maturity, they did not understand the power that's made available to a believer. Now, I'm not saying that you and I are going to go around nuking villages. That's not what I'm talking about. But the point here is this, Paul, Paul was saying to this group of, of pastors and, and, and disciples and believers that he was leaving behind in Asia, most of them came from Ephesus, one of the biggest cities in the Roman Empire at that time. He's saying to them in the order that would make it healthy for them, I commit you to God, because that's the best place for us to be, right? Where is the best place for you to be? In God's hands. I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to do what? Build you up, mature you, season you, so that we would know what to do with the inheritance when it's revealed to us. And that's why sometimes we have to have a little bit of spiritual growth in us before God allows us to experience some of the other things that some other believers experience. You, you listen to me? As a young Christian, when I say young Christian, I don't mean age-wise, physically. I mean young in the things of God, young in the things of Christianity, biblical Christianity. I always wanted to operate in strong anointing. I always wanted to operate. I always wanted to know things by the Spirit. I always wanted to. And so I noticed that it didn't happen in the beginning years until I started hanging around with other people that already operated in that. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. So I, even though I was scared to death to pray in front of people, I, I'd be the one that would sit in the back and when the pastor was, I, I'd put my, in fact, I told him one time I stayed out of church for six months. Now, I don't recommend this. And then when I finally got enough courage, I went to visit the pastor, and he said, where have you been? I said, I can't come here because you scare the heck out of all of us. What are you talking about? I said, he was on this kick at that time where 
he would just ask people to, out of the audience to come up and pray for the offering. How many of you would come to church if we started doing something like that? <laughs> or you'd be waiting outside in the lobby until the offering was taken. <laughs> come on, show me, show me where you're at. And I said to him, I, 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 you're freaking me out. I can't come here. I'm, you know, you got to understand, I was just coming off of panic attacks and anxiety attacks, and this guy's setting me up for a new cycle. So, so what I did was, and I can't say that I did this intentionally, I started coming to the prayer meetings. I started sitting there and observing and listening. And then all of a sudden I realized, I don't know why I'm going this direction, but somebody needs to hear this. All of a sudden I realized, wait a second, I'm hearing on the inside here before they start praying about something. And I'm like, oh my God, it's starting to work, it's starting to work, it's starting to work. You understand what I'm saying? That's what the power of this verse of scripture here is all about. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to, come on guys, which is able to build you up and give you. What's the use of having an inheritance if you're too immature to take advantage of it. And you know, when I say take advantage, sometimes people, that sounds like a negative connotation. No, no, everything that Jesus died to give us, God expects us to possess. Otherwise, why why would he have gone to the cross and suffered so much? If we're not gonna walk in the things that he purchased for us to walk in. You getting this? So, How would your life change? I want you to consider this question. If it reflected the truth that you have an inheritance from your heavenly father, how would it change? How, let me ask you this question, even in the natural. Let's turn around the natural. Let's talk about naturally speaking. How would your life change if tomorrow in the mail you get a letter from an attorney in a city that you've never heard of And that attorney tells you, you had a relative named whatever, you fill in the blanks, and he died, and you're the only living relative we can track down, and this guy had no children, multi-billionaire, you need to show up at my office at such and such a time, at such and such a day, because you are the sole heir to this man's billions. Can I ask you this question? Would your life change? Come on, some of you sitting there like, no, not me. (laughs) Who are you kidding? You better repent of lying. (laughs) You know darn well your life would change drastically. The first thing you would do is to show up at church with your tithe check. (laughs) In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I command you. (laughs) First fruits. fruits. I'm going to just say this and I'll get back to my notes. Years and years and years and years ago, 
there was somebody that we knew, and this person, the only way I can explain to you was a hipster. And I don't mean hipster in the, in the sense of cool hipster. This guy was a wheeler and dealer. And he would tell me things like, how would it feel if I walked in here one day with my tithe of like $10 million? I said to him, you know what? Why don't you give me the 10 now? Because <laughs> if you can't give the $10 bill now, you ain't going to come in here with a $10 million check. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 15. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. Oh, man, I could teach on that one for a while. There's so many people that have taken Christianity and made it slavery. They just exchanged one darkness for another darkness. But the Spirit of God says, you haven't received that kind of spirit that makes you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought brought about your adoption to sonship. See, if you read the New Testament, and if you grow in your knowledge of God, you're going to go from unbeliever to believer to servant slash son, daughter. Not slave. Big difference between a servant and a slave. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And I'll explain to you what that means. Verse 16, the spirit himself testifies with our spirits that we are God's children. What are we talking about? We're talking about inheritance. An inheritance. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. There it is. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Man, if it wasn't amazing enough to be an heir of God, now to be a co-heir with Jesus, in other words, everything Jesus inherits from the Father, we inherit too. Uh, some of you sitting going, this is too, too much for me to fathom. And my answer to you, with all of my heart, is I commend you unto God and unto the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and get you to the place where you'll be able to receive the truth of the Bible that says you have an inheritance. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. We have an inheritance. Abba, for those of you that may be new to this whole thing, Abba is an Aramaic word. Now, what is Aramaic? Aramaic is, is is a language, still exists today, spoken in some parts of Jordan and some parts of Syria. It's a combination of like Hebrew and some of the other Semitic languages. When I say Semitic, I'm talking about Middle Eastern. And that was the common language that was spoken when Jesus was here on the earth. Jesus, for the most part, probably did not speak classic Hebrew. He would have spoken Aramaic because they would have understood it. Now, if you watch the movie, The Passion of the Christ, that's not in Hebrew. It's in Aramaic. And it's awesome to listen to that in the original language like that. So that, that, word, that word Abba is the Aramaic word for father, and it's really more daddy, a term of endearment, daddy. And so what, what Paul's writing to the church here is that you and I have been adopted. The agent of that adoption was the Holy Ghost. 
And the Holy Spirit brings us into sonship. The Holy Spirit never brings you into slavery. If you got people in your life and, or people that you listen to on TV, whatever, and they're teaching this legalistic rules, regulation, all this other kind of stuff, that is not in the scriptures. We've not been given that spirit that drives us into slavery again. Gotta do this, gotta do that, gotta do this. Gotta, make sure you don't, make sure you don't, make sure you don't. Now the Greek word that's used for adoption to sonship in that, in that verse that we just read is the term referring to the full legal standing of an adopted male heir in Roman culture. How many of you, how many of you saw the movie Ben-Hur? The real one. Okay. If you haven't seen it, go watch it because it's an amazing, amazing, amazing movie. There's one point here where this man, Judah Ben-Hur, who's been betrayed by someone, sold into slavery, ends up on a Roman ship, ends up saving the general or commander, whoever he is, on this ship. When there's a battle that takes place, the ship is sunk. Who saves this commander? Judah Ben-Hur. Now watch this. Judah, in his homeland, was a prince. But he's reduced to slavery. In appreciation for having his life saved, this man, I forget what his name is in the movie, adopts Judah Ben-Hur. And it's an amazing scene that takes place in that movie because the, the commander, the Roman commander, a, a man who has worshipped pagan idols all of his life, takes his ring off of his finger and places it on Judah Ben-Hur. And Judah Ben-Hur's name changes to a Roman name, although he continues to go by that name. Now, from that point forward, Judah Ben-Hur is no longer considered a slave. He is the heir to this man's property, his prestige, his reputation, his status. He was brought from slavery to sonship. That is exactly what's happened to you and I. And you better thank God that it has because, you see, in order for you to access an inheritance, there has to be a legal connection. You getting this? Who said that? Arius. That's right. His name was changed to Arius, right? Amen. Oh, good. You watched the movie. So the fact that we're called heirs reinforces the truth that we have an inheritance stored up for us. How did we get this inheritance? And it's through our salvation. Let me, let me read you a story. It's a little lengthy, but I believe that this paints a picture. No pun intended when I tell you the story. Great illustration of what we're talking about. Years ago, there was a very wealthy man who, had, who, had, who with his devoted young son, shared a passion for art collecting. Together, they traveled around the world, adding only the finest treasures to their collection. Priceless, work, priceless works by Picasso, Van Gogh, Monet, and many others adorned the walls of the family estate. The widowed elder man looked on with satisfaction as his only child became an experienced art collector. The son's trained eye and sharp business mind caused his father to beam with pride as they dealt with art collectors all around the world. 
As winter approached of that year, war engulfed the nation, and the young man left to serve his country. After only a few short weeks, his father received a telegram. His fears were confirmed. The young man had died while rushing a fellow soldier to a medic. Distraught and lonely, the old man faced the upcoming Christmas holidays with anguish and sadness. On Christmas morning, a knock on the door awakened the depressed old man. As he opened the door, he was greeted by a soldier with a large package in his hand. He introduced himself to the man by saying, I was the one your son was rescuing when he died. May I come in for a few moments? I have something to show you. As the two began to talk, the soldier told of how the man's son had told everyone of his father's love of fine art. I'm an artist, said the soldier, and I want to give you this. As the old man unwrapped the package, the paper gave way to reveal a portrait of the son. Though the world would never consider it a work of genius, the painting featured the young man's face in striking detail. Overcome with emotion, the man thanked the soldier and promised to hang the picture over the fireplace. True to his word, the painting went well above the fireplace, pushing aside thousands of dollars of paintings. And then the man sat in his chair and spent Christmas gazing at the gift he had been given. The painting of his son soon became his most prized possession, far eclipsing any interest in the pieces for which museums around the world sought desperately. The following spring, the old man became ill and passed away. The art world was in anticipation. According to the will of the old man, all of the artworks would be auctioned on Christmas Day, the day when he had received his greatest gift. The day soon arrived and art collectors from around the world gathered to bid on some of the world's most spectacular paintings. The auction began with a painting that was not on any museum's list. It was a painting of the man's son. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid. The room was silent. Who will open the bidding with $100, he asked. Minutes passed, no one spoke. From the back of the room came, who cares about that painting? It's just a picture of his son. Let's forget about it and go on to the good stuff. More voices echoed, echoed in agreement. No, we have to sell this one first, replied the auctioneer. Now who will take the son? Finally, a friend of the old man spoke. Will you take $10 for the painting? That's all I have. I knew the boy, so I'd like to have it. I have $10. Will anyone go higher? Called the auctioneer. After more silence, the auctioneer said, going once, going twice, gone. The gavel fell, cheers filled the room. Someone exclaimed, now we can get on with it. We can bid on these treasures. The auctioneer looked at the audience and announced the auction was over. Stunned, in disbelief, quieted the room. Someone spoke up and asked, what do you mean it's over? We didn't come here for a picture of some old guy's son. What about all these paintings? There are millions of dollars of art here. I demand that you explain what's going on. And the auctioneer replied, it's very simple. According to the will of the father, whoever takes the son gets it all. Have you taken the son? Whoever takes the son gets it all. In all reality, every one of us who have declared our faith in Jesus I don't know about you, but I'd be perfectly happy with just not going to hell. That would be enough for me to praise God for all of eternity. 
But God in his love has made us heirs, recipients of all he is and all he has. Jesus, the only begotten son of God, is the natural heir of the father. God said to him, you are my son. Today I've become your father. We need to realize that the term heirs of God emphasizes our connection, our relationship with the father. First Peter chapter one, verse three says, blessed be God and father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. He's birthed us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance, watch how it's described now, incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. It's there, reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In other words, because God has made us his children, we have full rights to receive his inheritance. John chapter one, verse 11. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Talking about Jesus. Yet to all who did receive him, to those, to, to who? To who? To ones who received him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right, the power, the ability, the privilege, the honor to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. That's who you are tonight if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a child of God, you are an heir of God, you are a co-heir. You are partners with Jesus Christ in God's kingdom, in God's estate, and everything that's included in it. Every will, every insurance policy must have a beneficiary. Can't write one without a best. Somebody's got to be the beneficiary. Somebody's got to be the recipient. Beneficiary means the object or the recipient of an act of kindness, and we are his beneficiaries. Beneficiary, just a word alone, from Latin, is someone who good is done to. Galatians, I'm just gonna throw some scriptures at you so we reinforce this whole idea, okay? We can't finish this tonight, we'll finish it next week. Galatians chapter three, verse 29, if you belong to Christ, do you? Yes. Then you are what? You are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So, so look at this, how wonderful this is. God starts out with Abraham and has an inheritance for Abraham. He said, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna make your name great. Your descendants are gonna be like the sand on the seashore, like the stars in the heavens. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And so that promise, that inheritance, extends all the way down through the ages. Jesus shows up on the scene, a descendant of Abraham. Yes or no? Yes. Descendant of Abraham. And what does he do? He gets to cash in the policy. It costs him his death. but he cashed in 
And that's why the Bible tells us in the New Testament that all the promises of God in Christ, in him, are yes and amen. Abraham inherited the promise of God by placing faith in the one that one day would come. It's almost 2,000 years from Abraham's time to Jesus' time. We inherited the promises of God by placing our faith in Jesus who came and fulfilled the requirements of the law in order for the inheritance to be released. Almost every last will and testament has certain stipulations that have to be followed if the benefits of that inheritance are going to be released. You and I are totally incapable of fulfilling those stipulations. There is no possible way for a human being other than the Lord Jesus Christ, 100% man, 100% God. He's the only one that could have fulfilled the requirements. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13. Just a couple more minutes, going to wrap this up for tonight, and then we'll finish this next week, okay? Is this blessing you tonight? Yes. Okay. I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation. It's a little bit easier to understand. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. In other words, he's talking about the ritual ceremonies and sacrifices that just covered people's sin, didn't get rid of it. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciousness from sinful deeds. Look at that. Purify our what? Consciousness. Purifies our conscience from sinful deeds. While we're still in this body, Let's be honest with each other. We're going to sin. You realize that, right? I'm not, I'm not setting us up for it. I'm not believing God for it. I'm not having an expectation for it. But God knows you're going to stumble. You're going to sin. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to make bad decisions. But look what he's interested in cleansing. The conscience. Why? Because the conscience will determine how far you're going to go with God. If you are constantly condemning yourself, if you are constantly feeling guilty about something, now, listen to me, please. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace that is able to build you up to get to this point to understand what I'm going to say, okay? I'm not saying let's just go out and let's just party. Sleep with whoever you want. Rob whatever you want. Smoke whatever. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. Was that not nice to say in church? <laughs> what I'm saying is this. God Almighty is concerned that we would walk with a clean conscience. And I would venture to say that the majority of us really, truly, I put myself in there, really, truly have not received the full revelation that we have been forgiven. So he says here, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify your consciousness. It doesn't say it purify your conduct. Will purify your consciousness from sinful deeds so that we can do what? How many of you have stood in worship and you got your hands up and on the inside, you're thinking, 
You got no business worshiping God. You are a filthy sinner. You look what you did today. Look what you did last night. Look what you watched the other day. Look how you treated this person and how you talk to your wife and how you talk to your husband and all this other stuff. And meantime, you're trying to worship God and all this junk is hitting your head. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify your consciousness from sinful deeds. For what purpose? So that we can, come on, say it with me. So that we can worship the living God. Next verse. For by the power of the eternal spirit, talking about the Holy Ghost, Christ offered himself to God the Father as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Why? Because that was a stipulation in the inheritance. Oh, my God. It just hit me. Can you go to Deuteronomy 28? Verse 1. Start in verse 1. Watch this now. Now, this is spoken to every human being. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Go ahead, keep going. Go verse two. We're not gonna go through the whole thing. There's 14 verses, but we're not gonna go through them all. And all these, come on, come on. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. What's the stipulation? because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. If the blessings that are gonna overtake me are contingent upon me obeying the voice of the Lord my God every single time, we're done. It's not gonna happen. But there was one. (laughs) But there was one that came to this earth that could fulfill that stipulation, that could fulfill that contingency and therefore, through him, release the inheritance of all the blessings. We're going to have to talk about this next week. Of all the blessings of Deuteronomy 28, and let me tell you something. They are phenomenal blessings. But if it's dependent upon you being obedient, upon you listening to the voice of the God, of the Lord our God diligently, we're done. Forget about it. There's no blessings. But because we're in Christ... And he has inherited everything from the Father. And we are not only heirs of God, but joint heirs with Christ. These blessings now overtake us and come upon us in Jesus' name. You catching this? You getting this? Oh my God, this is so good. I'm going to listen to this myself when this is done. So now watch this now. Those of you who jokingly say things like, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. You better stop talking stupid like that. (laughs) Nothing ever works out for me. My family's been poor for generations. My grandparents were poor. My parents are poor. I guess I'm going to be poor. You got an inheritance waiting for you. And if if you're so stuck in that in your head, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up so that you'd be mature enough to stop talking stupid and start talking what God says and access the inheritance that he's got for you. What is that inheritance? Salvation. What's included in salvation? Deliverance. Healing. Peace. Forgiveness of sins. Righteousness. Justification. The presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
My God, if, if, if God said, and I know he would never do this, you can have one. I would say, give me the Holy Ghost. Because if you got the Holy Spirit, you got everything you need. He's my teacher. He's my comforter. He's my advocate. He's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of grace. He reveals Jesus to me. He shows me things to come. He empowers me to do everything I need to do. Give me the Holy Spirit. But you know what? He gave us the Holy Spirit and with him all of this inheritance. Oh my God, this is so good. All right, we got to finish. We're done. For tonight anyway. Now listen to me. I want to do this in the next couple minutes. If this has struck your nerve in your heart, and you're, going, and you're saying to yourself on the inside, and you're going to have to be brutally honest about this. Man, I have not seen any of this inheritance manifesting in my life. It seems like I'm always chasing after something, and it's always just beyond my reach. If that's you, when we're dismissed, come down here. There's people that will pray for you. And you know what they're going to pray for you? Come on, can you guess? What are they going to pray for you? I commit you unto God and unto the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, get you positioned to the place where you will start to access that inheritance that Peter said is reserved for you in heaven. You want to know what? It's reserved in heaven, but it's not supposed to stay in heaven. Why? Because there's things that I need here on the earth that if I have to wait till I get to heaven, they're not going to do me any good. You want to know why? If I got to pay my mortgage on the house, I need that inheritance to manifest here now. Why? Because my house in heaven's paid for. It was paid by Jesus. And I don't know where yours is. Mine is oceanfront. You say, what's reserved in heaven? Yeah, it's reserved in heaven. It's reserved for you to, let me ask you this question. Don't show your hands, but just picture. Those of you that have bank accounts, where's that money? It's reserved for you in that bank. But you have direct access to that, do you not? Now, you walk around going, I can't pay my bills. And somebody over here, you say, what do you mean you can't pay your bills? I know for a fact you got a bank account at, give me the name of the bank. Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo. I, I, I know, I know, but, it, but it's reserved there. They would say to you, you're a kook. <laughs> that money's yours. It's reserved over there for when you need it. But, so when you need it, what do you do? Well, now everybody goes to the computer, banking online. You access it. Well, everything you need here on this earth, you have reserved for you in heaven. Your salvation, peace of mind, divine health for your body. The money you need to pay your bills. You listening to me? Everything you need is there on reserve. It's not there away from you and hidden from you. It is saved for you. And so 
as you grow in your knowledge of the word and as you grow in the knowledge of the promises of God, you start going, oh, oh, you said you're gonna supply all of my needs here according to your riches and glory? Uh, okay, I, I, I'm in need right now. I need, now this is what we do by faith now, my faith reaches into the bank account in heaven. And you know I'm talking more about, I'm talking more than money, okay? Because you know, honestly, to be truthful with you, the money that we need is here on the earth. The permission to access it comes from heaven. So, so now you have this promise, and it's like you go to the bank and say, like in the old days when people used to fill out withdrawal slips, okay? Remember when people used to write things with pens? And some people even wrote in cursive. Cursive was a language. For those of you who don't, cursive was a written language that we used to use in the ancient times. Today we could do it to keep secrets. Just write it in cursive. So you would go, you'd go to the bank and you do what? You present them with what? That withdrawal slip. That withdrawal slip with your account number, you're going to show them your ID, you're going to show them your driver's license. That gives you legal access to the thing that is on reserve for you, yes? The word of God is like a withdrawal slip. You present the word of God. Father, you promised such and such. Open the vault. It's his. It's hers. Amen? Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today.